Well, thank you. Um, and can I just say something? There was, uh, I think, a, a young kid back here in this area that I could hear singing. And yeah. Um, it's so cool to see, you know, all of our, some of our young people in the room uh, this morning. Uh, one of the things that we like to say is that you are not the future of tomorrow's, you are the future of today. And so we, help, we hope to treat our, our children like that, um, our students and our college students, um, as if they are the church of the day today, because we believe that this is Elisa, uh, Elisa, sorry, I get her name wrong in my head all the time, um, but this is Elisa. And uh, she's one of our, our kind of our college students. She attends AU, and I'm going to turn the reins over here to her here in a few minutes. But I'm going to kind of hopefully tee her up, and uh, she's going to be sharing for the first time. She said she's nervous. I told her she's excited. Uh, so um, I know you all are excited to hear what what she has to say uh, this morning. Uh, we are obviously it's Labor Day weekend, and I, I want to talk a little bit about that. I wanted to talk a little bit about our work. And uh, I want to begin by just kind of sharing an experience that I often have with people uh, when they begin to tell me about what they do. Uh, one of the questions I actually try to avoid sometimes is, is what do I do? Uh, because it, it, sometimes it changes the dynamic of that conversation when people find out that I'm a pastor. But I'm, I'm genuinely interested in, in what other people do. So if sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll go first. I'll ask, hey, what do you do? Or, or, or whatever. But I always follow up if I'm asked what I do. I, I want to know what people do because I'm interested in it. And then uh, what I've discovered through the years is, is kind of a common experience. Not everybody does this. But a, but a lot of people will do this, especially finding out uh, what I do. They will kind of put their head down a little bit and, and kind of look down. And they'll say, I'm just a. Or I just whatever. And I just want you to know, like, that bothers me to no end. Um, because first and foremost, like, I, I believe that your work is important. Um, but, but it bothers me on a whole bunch of different levels. I mean, some people think, okay, like, you're a pastor. You must really enjoy your work. Like, it must be awesome. You're called to it. All of these sorts of things. And to be honest, like, for me, that's true. Like, I enjoy it. I'm, I'm called to it. But uh, if you're saying that to a lot of pastors, to be honest, they don't. <laughs> Um, uh, most pastors don't make it past five years. I'll just, I'll just tell you that. Um, they're struggling as much as anybody in their work, all of, all of those sorts of things. Um, another reason I think people sometimes do that is, is we probably identify a little bit too much with what we do and not really who we actually are. And that's a sermon for, for another time. Um, but the third reason is there's typically kind of a type of person anymore that does this. And, and typically, it's kind of a, a middle-income person, um, a, a lot of times a, a blue-collar person, and more often than not, because of our, our economy has uh, kind of changed, um, maybe somebody who's kind of in the middle of some type of, of, of tech company or whatever, and so they might work on a computer a lot, but they're not an executive, and, and, and so they don't feel like they have maybe this significance that they need to have in their job or in their work, and, and that just bothers me because I, blew up, I grew up in a middle-income family. I grew up uh, among blue-collar people. Like, us Dieters, my, my son will, like, he, it's weird. I don't know where he got this from, but he's like, Dieters are rough and tumbly. And I'm a pastor, so I don't know really, like, but, but like everybody in my family, like, especially the men and even the women to a certain extent because they worked in factories and different things like that, like, we were always, like, twisting hard things or picking up heavy things. 
Um, my dad's a toolmaker. Uh, he teaches it now, but my, his dad was a toolmaker. His dad was the garbage collector um, in, in the town. And so that's kind of the family that I grew up in, and I would never want my family to feel like when they tell people what they have to do, that they would, they would kind of put their head down and, and think like, hey, that's maybe not as important as what somebody else does. And, and so this morning, one of the things that I hope you do as you leave here is understand and recognize that, that your work matters to God. And this is part of the narrative, really, that the scriptures begin with. I mean, this is kind of some, this is some foundational stuff for followers of, of, of Jesus. So in Genesis, what we see is we see a creator God, and we see uh, in Genesis 1, we see that God is spending six days, and there's this pattern of creation. And as the creator God is creating, after everything that he does and everything that takes place, he has this refrain that he says, is that it's good. And so God is praising his own work that he's doing. He's, he's instituting like life and light and order into the world, and he keeps saying that it's good, that it's good, that it's good. And then there's the apex of creation. And at the apex of creation, you're going to see what he does is he creates human beings. And I, I want to read this to you. And this is Genesis 1, verses 26 through 27. And we're told this. And then God said, after he's created all of these things, and he's looked at his own work, and he says, hey, this is good, this is good, this is good. We are told, then God said, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created, he made, he fashioned, he worked mankind in his own image. And in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And, and so what we see from the very beginning that the creator creates image bearers. And so he creates what are going to be divine workers, like this divine worker crafts other craftsmen and artists and people who are going to work. And he passes down his abilities to his image bearers. And so what we discover in the scriptures, as you continue to read, by the way, is that God actually creates us with work in mind. Like work isn't something that happens after what we call the fall in Genesis. It's pre-fall. And let me show you what I mean by that, because what we see in Genesis 2 is one of the reasons that why God places us in the garden, like what he's giving us to do. And so Genesis 2 comes after Genesis 1, and so here we go. Verse 15, the Lord took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to care for it. So here's one of the things that I want a lot of you to think about this morning. When you think about your work, your occupation, your career, the things that you do, is it's probably more sacred and important than you think it is. Like what you do for a living, or what you do to take care of your family, or your friends, or what you do on a daily basis, whether you get paid for it or not, is, is probably more important than you think it is, and that you give yourself credit for it. You see, God cares about what you do. And of course he cares about how you do it, because God cares about created things. He, he didn't set his creation in motion and not care about it. He set his cre creation in motion, and then he puts us on earth to work it, in other words, to cultivate it and to keep it, to guard it, to help give it order, uh, to, to help 
to, to help us or for us to continue what he has started. And so this is, this is the very beginning of the biblical narrative, and this is the narrative that we live in, and this is uh, and these, these principles. And I, I believe that this call for us to work and keep and guard the garden still exists. And I think a lot of us, we just don't live in this narrative anymore. You know, because one of the things that we know is that work has become hard and it's become difficult. And I think some of us think that we no longer need to kind of work and keep and cultivate the earth and creation or whatever, that we're kind of just living here until like God takes us home, basically. And that's just kind of the wrong story. I mean, I think some people have been taught this is like the wrong eschatology that, that when Jesus comes back, we're just burning everything up and everything's bad and, and we're just going to go up to heaven and heaven is going to be like, we're just going to turn into kind of like these babies with wings and, and like enjoy, like I don't even know if that doesn't even sound fun. But, <laughs> but, but really what has happened with the fall, what God is doing as he enters into the earth and he doesn't leave completely, like God's presence is the point we talk about that, is God is trying to recreate, restore, and reclaim what has been lost in the fall by our sin. And we are a part of that story even now as Dr. Varner was talking about. Like, we're, we're, not, we're not just singing about a, about a, a future glory and a, and, a, and a future heaven. Like, we're singing about a kingdom that Jesus came to establish here in the now. Now, are we going to experience it perfectly? No, we're not. But as followers of Jesus, are we trying to live as kingdom people? Are we trying to live as people who are reclaiming brokenness? And trying to restore it to its rightful order. Yes. And our work is a part of that. I know uh, some of you are uh, um, familiar um, with the phrase, like, we're going to try to reclaim what hell has stolen. That's what we do often in our work. And so that's, that's why it matters. Now, our work helps people experience the goodness of God. Uh, think about this. Uh, maybe some of you, you uh, are in construction, and so maybe you help build infrastructure or whatever. Well, yesterday we had to go and, and visit family uh, for a, a funeral. Uh, this, my life is full of funerals right now. So we had to go visit family for a funeral, so I had to drive an hour and a half to get there. I mean, think about all the work that took place just for me to go see my family. Like that some of you maybe in our congregation did. Somebody had to build the roads. Somebody had to finance the roads. Somebody had to pay the people that build the roads and figure out how to do that. Somebody had to make the concrete. And then now all that exists so that you can get mail that comes in that tells you they're sorry that you've lost a loved one or to help support you. The mailman has to deliver that. And there's so many more jobs that you can think of, and you know what you do and why you do it and how it helps other people. I mean, if you think about even like a, a landscaper, right? He's an, he's an artist with dirty fingernails. Um, we can enjoy creation because of some of the things that, that they have done. And so I, I want us to start thinking about as a church, and I hope you will, uh, work in a way that, is a, that it's important um, and that it's part of living a kingdom life and, and believing that Jesus has called you to help reclaim, redeem, and restore what was lost and help uh, put order in the world that often is disordered and broken. Now, Elisa is up here with me this morning because I think uh, she has been thinking about 
how her faith impacts her future work, um, as well as anybody I've talked to um, for somebody her age. And so uh, she's one of our young people. She's a summer intern. And part of my job is to help some of our younger people uh, grow in faith and in leadership. And so I wanted to give her an opportunity to teach a little bit this morning and be a part of our service. And so, Elisa, I'm going to allow you to share now um, with what God has laid in your heart. Okay. Um, first, I just want to say that I'm coming off of my back-to-school cold, so my voice is a little frumpy, my bad. Um, but yeah, so me and Josh met um, this past week before the weekend, and one of the things that kind of came to my heart as we were talking is um, the story and the introduction, mainly, of Mary Magdalene and Mary of Clopas when... Um, uh, Jesus is starting his journey along the Sea of Galilee with the rest of his disciples. Um, in Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, we get their introduction. And something that um, stands out to me when they're being introduced is that they took it upon themselves to follow Jesus and to follow along with, their, with his disciples. And their job was to support and to attend um, to their needs. And I like those two words, and depending on which translation you um, read it out of, it's either attend to their needs or support their needs. And, you know, when you think of, like, the disciples and their work alongside Jesus and how they went out into wherever they went and they spread the word and they spread the gospel, like, those, that was their commission. All of them were told, like, go and spread my word. They were all given that direct order. They were all given that direct order of come follow me. And then you have Mary Magdalene and the other women who followed Jesus throughout their, his whole entire journey, and they took it upon themselves. And they weren't given the same commission of come follow me and, and then go spread the word. Um, but their job was just as important as the disciples. And it was so right and so justified. Their work was so good that Jesus ended up appearing to them first when he rose from the dead. So I think that's very significant and that um, it's very relevant to us when we don't think that our work is worthy comparative to others. There's such a difference in types of jobs and types of work, but all work is good. All work is significant. Um, so that was what we had talked about on Thursday when we met, and that was kind of like really what um, Jesus put on my heart to say. Um, but yeah, so a little bit, I kind of want to just give you an intro um, to me so that you can kind of understand where the rest of my stuff is coming from. But something cool that I thought of when I was sitting over here was that we had our interest fair at Anderson University where bunch of like churches come and then all the clubs and organizations are laid out in the valley around campus and I worked there with on the booth with um, Josh and Dr. Varner and my friend Riley and as we were standing there I was like oh my gosh one year ago today I was introduced to Catalyst and now I'm here on a stage kind of sharing a little bit so I was like wow, like God moves very fast and he opens um, he opens a lot of doors for you when, when you get on that path to follow him. So today, as I'm on stage, it's like my one-year anniversary of actually attending Catalyst Church. So I thought that was 
really cool and wanted to share. Um, so yeah, one of the questions that um, Josh had asked me or kind of wanted me to think about was how, was, how I was preparing for work um, outside of um, university. So um, my majors at school are uh, language arts education and Christian ministries as like a minor, um, but I took a lot more classes than I should have. So I kind of got a little bit more than I needed to, which is all good. Um, but um, my end goal is I would love to teach biblical literacy. I'm very passionate about literature and biblical literature and being able to read it and understand it in the context of what it was written and then also just the language of it I think is beautiful. And how I'm kind of been preparing outside of school is obviously with internships. My internship with Catalyst has been my third internship in a church and I've had so much amazing experience, good, like all the good ones and even the bad experiences are good experience because I don't think any experience is bad when it's good, the good work that you're going to do in the future. And you just, you learn a lot from it. And um, as I do these internships, I learn so much about myself because when I graduated high school, I thought I was going to be a neurosurgeon. <laughs> Very different and, um, from what I'm doing now. And I didn't get my call to ministry until after I had graduated high school. And even then, um, something that I truly believe is that God, like I have this like, not like theory, but this thought of God has opened and closed doors for you. And um, one of those closed doors is when you have to wait, when you're in like a period of waiting after pursuing your calling because I had to end up, I ended up taking a gap year after high school so I could mentally prepare myself for moving from Houston, Texas to Anderson, Indiana, um, but also financially of saving up money from, okay, well, I'm gonna have to pay out of state tuition and all of these things when I move, you know, a thousand miles away from home, like what am I gonna do? And just like things like that, but, um, so that was a closed door. Like, I wasn't going to university right after high school, which was a bummer. So all my friends were going, and they were moving, and they were having a blast, and I was at home working full-time, which was fine. Um, because in that one year, I was able to apply to scholarships to Anderson, which made um, my tuition very much more affordable than what it was. And in that time, I was able to um, cherish the time I had with my family because um, I'm living up here, obviously, very far away from them, and I, I don't know if I'll be going home after graduation. So having to prepare emotionally for that, and then also just kind of honing in on, I know I'm supposed to be doing ministry. I got a call to ministry. God laid it on my heart. You are going to teach. And I was like, what am I going to teach? And um, I did an internship with a women's ministry because I was like, oh, yeah, women's ministry. Like, I love women, girl power. And then I ended up hating that internship. <laughs> it was great. And I had a like, fun time. But as I was there, I was like, yeah, this isn't this is not for me. And then I filled in at my home church in Houston as like an interim everything because we had no senior pastor. Our worship pastor is on sabbatical. Our children's pastor was... Um, on maternity leave, 
We didn't have a youth pastor, so we had a couple of like part-time interim workers. And I, the 21-year-old college student, was the interim and full-time worker for everything. And so I was um, there kind of holding down the fort while everybody was coming in and out. And after that, I was like, I don't think I could be a full-time pastor. Like, this is hard. I'm tired. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm only 21. Like, this is scary. Part of that was I was teaching a senior adult a Bible study, and I was like, what, do, what am I going to say that's going to like benefit these people? I, they know so much more than me, and they would correct me. Like They were like, actually, <laughs> it's these verses. I'm like, you're so right. Um, but I was able to make connections with them and help them relate to my generation and help me understand them to where we were able to create like an intergenerational um, type of like buddy system. So that was really good. And then I had um, a couple of internships with the youth, including Catalyst Youth over there. And um, then I started doing like student teaching at school. And I was like, I really like reading. And I really am passionate about um, self-efficiency when reading the Bible and very passionate about um, youth being self-efficient because there's a huge gap between when you're a senior in high school and then when you're a young adult freshman in college where it's like you don't have a youth group. You don't have Wednesdays and Sundays to kind of hang out. Sometimes you move away from your home church. So it takes took me three years to find a church um, in Indiana. And, um, and part of that was because I felt so lost in my faith when I moved away because I was like, like, what am I doing on Wednesdays now? Like, who are going to be my friends on Wednesday nights? And I'm not going to have, like, I can't just join a youth group at the age of 19. You know, I can't just show up and be like, yeah, I'm like a silly little teenager still. Like, don't mind me. Um, <laughs> so part of that is teaching kids, teaching our youth how to read the Bible, understand it for themselves. And when they have questions, encouraging them to kind of go find those answers for themselves before they go to someone else. Um, because that's how you build a stronger faith. That's how you build a personal um, faith is understanding that for um, yourself. So, yes, kind of going back to my, I, I like to ramble, I'm so sorry. But kind of going back to this idea of open doors and closed doors. The open doors in my life since I've had my calling were um, the scholarships that I got to go to AU that made AU affordable for my family when I have two other siblings also in college at university. Um, that was an open door. Another open door was all of the internships I received from my home church in Houston and then here, my home church um, at Catalyst, the internships and opportunities that I've been given. And then open doors on campus where I was, um, we have discipleship coordinators or just, or just sophomores or juniors who um, host Bible studies for the dorms or for the apartments, wherever you're at. I was one of those, and that helped me build up, um, like, the ability to talk to people my age and teach them, and how do I pour into young adults. And, um, yeah, and just, like, the classes that I've been taking at AU and um, one of the open doors, kind of like what, we were, what I was talking about um, earlier, was, like, finding Catalyst as being my one-year anniversary was because I had a class with Dr. Varner, and Dr. Varner... Um, persuaded me into coming to Catalyst. And um, that was an open door because I'm here now, which is crazy. 
<laughs> just crazy to think about. Not crazy that it's actually happening, but it's crazy to think about that it's been a year and so much has happened. Um, so yeah, that's like kind of, that's all I got, I think. Yeah, so, so <laughs> and one of the things that I've really enjoyed through my conversations with you, so you're, pretty, you're a double major for the most part. Like yeah. you've got education and Bible. And so you're getting ready to student teach. You're in the midst of becoming an educator. And you have thought about, okay, how does my faith, if I go into full-time education, how does my faith impact what I'm going to do? And you've, you've talked a lot to me kind of uh, about that because you're still trying to figure out, will I go into full-time ministry or will I become a, a teacher? But you're preparing, if you become a full-time teacher in our public schools, mm -hmm. I mean, you're prepared to be able to share your faith yep. with somebody. And I think for all of us, that is, that is a great example as we think about how to live out our faith. Can I just say something, too, about our public school teachers as well? Please treat them kindly. They don't get paid enough. Their jobs are hard. Um, and to be honest, a lot of our educators are Christians. Um, when you look at the data, it might actually be the most saturated uh, field of where Christians actually work. Um, and so keep that in mind <laughs> as, you, as you talk to your, your kids' teachers, um, as you think about our schools as well. And so, I, you know, they, thank, so thank you for sharing really with everything that God has been doing in your life and the things, the way that God has been preparing you. Um, I, I kind of just want to conclude here by saying a few things before we come and take uh, communion, is your job does not have to be super complex for God to value it. Um, I mean, think about the first job that God gave Adam. It was to name the animals. Kids, are you in here? Where are you at? All right, what's your favorite animal name? Arden, you have one? What is it? Jellyfish. What's yours, Arden? A fox. See? Even mine's an opal. That's my dog's name. Yeah. So, so even kids, right, could name... God gave Adam a job that even uh, kids could do. I mean, I don't think he was actually giving them scientific names at the time, um, like in the Latin that we have for animals as well. But that, that was so simple. But So I just want us to think about that. But I want to end with basically two stories here as we think about our, our work and how to use our work to, to glorify God. One um, was early on in our marriage, uh, Emily had gotten pregnant, and uh, we... Uh, we were, we were just a, a few weeks pregnant, and, and it happened to be Easter at our church. Uh, and she had gotten pregnant at the same time that our worship leader's daughter had gotten pregnant. And we just told, like, a small group of people um, that, that she was pregnant. And then the worship leader, because he was so excited about his family's pregnancy, he decided to announce it at Easter, which is just always a bad idea. I mean, Easter is about Jesus and the resurrection. And um, now the entire congregation knows that my, my wife is pregnant, and, and they're celebrating and all this stuff. But we're so excited because we wanted to have kids. Um, and then we found out, actually, the Monday following Easter, uh, as we went to the OBGYN, that my wife had lost a child. Um, and so you can imagine, like, all of our heart and our, our, all of our hurt and just kind of our hearts and everything were just kind of ripped out of us as... We discovered that, and you're thinking, okay, we just, we really just wanted our family to know anyways. Now we got to, you know, talk about this with everybody and all these sorts of things. And, and the doctor, though, asked, after he delivered this news, he's like, will you, will you come with me? 
Um, and so we go to him in our office, in his office, and he's, he's just explaining to us what happened. He's like, hey, this is what happened. It's nobody's fault, you know, all these sorts of things. And, I mean, obviously he can see we're crushed and we're trying to take in this news and all of that. And then he just stops. And he goes, um, can I pray with you? Like, and, it, you know, that didn't take any of the pain away. It didn't take any of the hurt away. And I have no idea if he knew what I did or not, or if we were Christians or not. I, I assume that doesn't say on a, maybe it does, doctors in here, like if that says what we do on your charts. Um, but that, I just remember thinking like, wow, like this man obviously like puts his faith in the practice. Uh, a couple years later, we had a child, and uh, it was Judah over here. Hey, Judah. Um, and uh, I'm at the mechanic now, and I'm switching out cars, and I'm, I'm talking to the mechanic, and for whatever reason, uh, one of the head mechanics, he calls me in, he starts just talking to me, and I'm explaining, like, what's going on in our life. Like, yeah, I've just had a, a young kid and stuff. He's out in the car. I've got to switch him over here in a minute. And so he's asking me what I'm, uh, he's asking me about my life. And it's like, oh, my, and again, I'm avoiding telling him what I do. Because uh, it, it sometimes changes the dynamic of the relationship. And um, so I'm telling him all these things. And I tell you, my wife stays home. And she gets to take care of my son and, and all of this. And I, I said, hey, and I just said to him, like, we're really blessed. And he's like, wait a second. He goes, you're a Christian, right? Because that's like code word there. If you say blessed, I'm sorry. Like, that's Christians. You're pretty much the only ones that use that word. Um, and so I was caught. And I just said, yeah. And he's like, oh, that's so cool. And he just begins sharing his, his faith with me. And like now he's like encouraging me and all this stuff. And so he gives me the keys to the car that I'm about to leave with. And I grab my son. I'm like, I'm going to go introduce him. So I bring my son in. I say, hey, I forget his name, but... Um, this is this is Judah. Uh, just wanted to show you my son, and he's like, "Oh man, that's so cool!" And he's like, "You got a second? I'm like, "Sure." Well, he comes over, and uh, he like he lays his greasy hands on my son. He's like, "Can I pray for him?" I'm like, "Yeah, man!" And uh, so he just he just starts praying for my son. He starts praying for his future salvation, his wife, like. All, everything, like all, you know, just entire, just over his life and, and all of, like, everything that you could ever want for, for your kid. And he's like, man, I just hope you have a, a great day. And, and we just left. And, you know, I think about those things and I reflect on that. Um, not that you need to be praying for everybody every day in your job, but I think about that man. I'm thinking, like, if he does that for me, I wonder what he does for his coworkers uh, or for the people in that in that office and, and for others that come in and the difference that that makes in the lives of others and those he works with. And uh, to be honest, I just, I want that for you. Um, I, I want you to see your work, one, is I want you to see it as important. Two, I want you to see it as a way that you can honor Christ and you can share Christ with others through it in, in your own way. And so I hope uh, Alicia has helped you to think about this, that this morning. I know she has uh, me, and I'm excited for the future that God has for her. Um, and as we think about that and reflect on that, I'm going to invite you forward here in a moment to reflect on the work of Christ and what he's done for us. Um, he came, he died on the cross for our sins, he shed his blood and his body um, so that we know there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He rose again on the third day so that we know uh, that there is going to be a kingdom to come where there is going to be 
complete order where everything is going to be set right um, and that we're going to be working alongside and for him for the rest of our lives. Uh, and so I'm going to invite everybody to come forward and, and take communion. Um, before I do, I'll pray, but I want to kind of give us instructions here. Um, everybody will come down. Uh, these rows will come down the center and go that way. The outside rows will come down the outside and then go there. Does that make sense? So these will be, you'll go back to your seats through this way. You'll come down this way. You'll go out that way to receive communion. Let us pray. Father, today we come to you. We thank you for our work as we celebrate Labor Day weekend. And we pray, Father, that we would labor with you and for you in all things. Um, I thank you for uh, each and every person that's here. Um, I believe that uh, what they do is uh, needed and it's good and it also can be claimed for you. Um, and that you are in the midst of, of what they do on a daily basis. I pray that as we come forward to the communion table, we remember the work that you've done for us through your son, Jesus. Uh, might we reflect on it properly and give you praise for it. It's on Christ's name we pray. Amen.